Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to the PeteCallanerShow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. Pete Callender here. Pete Callender Show. It's garbage. It's horrible. The worst you can get. Pretty much. Uh, 704-570-1110-1800-WBT-1110. The president was in North Carolina. Uh, former President Donald Trump was in North Carolina over the weekend for the North Carolina Republican Convention, as was uh, Governor of Florida Ron DeSantis and somebody else. Who was it? Somebody... Uh, you know, he, no, he was, he had some office at some point. He held office. Oh, Mike Pence. That's right. Yeah, Mike Pence. I don't have any sound bites from him. I mean, it was okay. I just, I, I like, I just, Mike Pence is one of those candidates that I just, I, I watch the speeches and I'm just, the, the thing that's in my mind the whole time is why, why? Why, why would anybody vote for Pence over Trump? Why? I mean, was there like this massive, like a whole bunch, like this migration of Trump supporters over to Mike Pence? What with the hang Mike Pence chants and such? They were like, whoa, whoa, that's too far. Now I'm with Mike. No, that, like that didn't happen. So <laughs> I don't understand. No, what part of this is you've got consultants who's, you know, paycheck depends on convincing people that they could they could run for president. Yeah, they totally have a shot. Sure, Chris Christie, right? And you don't. You have no chance of winning if it's not a vanity run alone. It's it's believing that you could somehow bust past the one or two percent that you're polling at. I, I don't understand it. Well, Donald Trump was in uh, Greensboro. I've got a bunch of audio. I watched his uh, speech twice uh, because. That's what I do. I watch it so you don't have to. But uh, I pulled a bunch of sound bites from it. And um, it was, oh gosh, it ran 90 minutes, I want to say. Hour and a half. And it was standard Trump. You know, he had the teleprompter going. And as he as you'll do, he'll he'll kind of riff off of the, the prepared remarks. So he'll say something and then he'll make some commentary about it. And then he'll kind of get back onto script and kind of like a radio host. So... Trump starts off with the customary recognitions, you know, my good friend so-and-so, my good friend so-and-so, my good friend Ray Cooper, like that kind of stuff. And as is tradition, an endorsement in a North Carolina GOP primary. Thanks also to one of the great stars of the party, one of the great stars in politics, Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson. Crowd likes him. Oh, yeah, crowd really likes him. By the way, that is the sound of uh, Dale Falwell and Mark Walker's campaigns ending right there. And I'm going to endorse Mark, but I'm not going to tell you about it tonight, okay? Wait, what? We'll save it for another time. 
But you can count on it, Mark. Congratulations. Great job. You've been doing a fantastic job. Okay, so that's an endorsement, right? That, yeah, right? Yeah, I think, I think so. That's an endorsement. I don't think you could say, I'm going to endorse you, but I'm not going to do it right now, but you're going to totally get it. There's, that's not how an embargo works in the biz. Like, if you're going to embargo a press release, then you send it out on the down low and you tell people this is embargoed. You don't make the announcement on a live TV feed, you know? But congrats to uh, Mark Robinson. Uh, Trump went on to say that, you know, we stand up to the globalists, the Marxists, the rhinos, the communists, the environmental extremists. But he did say he's an environmentalist, too, but not like an extremist kind of way. Um, Open border fanatics, radical left Democrats, lawless partisan prosecutors, fake news media, the corrupt political establishment, corrupt Joe Biden. So he said, yeah, we're taking that name from Hillary. He's repurposing the crooked Hillary to crooked Biden, which I think Bribin is the better name from a marketing standpoint. And that's Brett Wernable's creation. Corrupt Biden, also fascists and thugs. I put everything on the line. I will never yield. I will never be deterred. I will never stop fighting for you. Never. Then to stay out of jail, obviously, but yes. And if I wasn't leading in the polls by so much, we'd have no difficulty. <laughs> and you know, they're the party of disinformation. They say, oh, we want to run against Trump. In the meantime, we got 5,000 prosecutors after us because they don't want to run against Trump. We beat him the first time. We did much better the second time. We beat him. We did much better the second time. No, wait, wait, wait. Wait, 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 what was that? He slid that, we beat him. He slid that in there. Do you notice? Because I noticed a distinct change in the language. This has been a branding effort where he says, we got many more votes in our re-election. We got many more votes than we did in 16. We got many more votes in 2020 than we got in 16. And many more votes than any other sitting president has ever gotten. Now, remember the 2020 election. I'm old enough to remember it. We were all on lockdown and they were mailing out ballots to everybody. So it really wasn't a surprise that there was way more participation, right? Because you had ballots getting sent out to every P.O. box, basically. So um, that is not a surprise. But I noticed the language change because what what started off, remember, right after 2020 was it's rigged, stolen election, like very explicit charges now has turned into we got many more votes than we had in 16. Which is true, right? He had more votes in 2020 than he had in 2016. But so did Joe Biden. Biden had more votes than Hillary Clinton did. And Biden had more votes than Donald Trump did. I mean, if we're right, that's, I mean, because that, that's the way that you, you would measure that. That would be the comparative. And actually, none of that even matters. The only thing that really matters is the electoral college votes, right? The electoral college count. So, I noticed this language shift at the very beginning of the speech, but then he slips in that they cheated part. He threw that in there, got some applause, and I think that encouraged him later on in the speech. He makes he, he kind of goes back to the, you know, stolen election, hammering away at that. And look, for people who want to hear the airing of the grievances that Donald Trump uh, does in his speeches, this delivered. And the, the crowd loved it. 
and I freely acknowledge here, I'm not interested in the airing of the grievances. I'm more of a forward-looking kind of a, a person on this stuff. I want to know, like, what are you going to do? And Trump did get to that. I've got some of that audio, too. He did get to that. But in a 90-minute speech, there's just this constant barrage of all the things, all the ways that I was wronged. This And th- this is grievance collection. And it's not healthy. I've been identifying grievance collection. It's... It, it's been a predominant feature on the left for years. That's at the heart of this identity politics garbage is this grievance collection, uh, this tendency for interpersonal victimhood where you see yourself as a victim in all circumstances. It's not a healthy mindset at an individual level, and it's definitely not healthy at a societal level. All right, so he then goes through the list of grievances, uh, but I don't have time to play them all right now because it's like it's very lengthy. He says many more votes instead of a stolen election language. But then later he said he's the only one who can defeat the communists who cheated to beat him. And that electing him will make America a free nation once again. More than any other president, more votes than any other sitting president has ever gotten. And more votes in terms of the margin from 63 million and they had millions and millions. No president's done that. Usually they get less the second time. You know, you get tired of them. (laughs) They weren't tired of me because we got many more votes. Which, I guess, I mean, that is true. It's harder to win the re-election, right? You get fewer votes on the second time around. So, uh, all right. So he's got his list of grievances, but he also made a very good argument, I thought, um, of of turning this, turning the attack on him into something that the audience will feel a personal connection to. Oh, hey, real quick, before I forget, Carolina Readiness Supply is prepping for its annual Heritage Life Skills event. It's coming up in July, and you can learn how to be better prepared and self-sufficient in the event of any emergency. Things like homesteading, canning, water storage, radio communications, herbal remedies, home defense, fermenting vegetables, all sorts of stuff. This is what Carolina Readiness Supply does. For beginners all the way to the most experienced preppers, Carolina Readiness Supply can help. Get your tickets now at carolinareadiness.com. That's carolinareadiness.com. Veteran-owned Carolina Readiness Supply. Will you be ready when the lights go out? I do have audio from Ron DeSantis' speech, and I have uh, also some stuff on the indictment um, and a bunch of other topics, of course. But um, right now, going through Donald Trump's audio from his appearance at the North Carolina Republican Party convention over the weekend, um, he makes the case, Donald Trump makes the argument that this is the same corrupt FBI and DOJ coming after him that has been going after him for six years. And he says, they're they're not actually coming after me. They're coming after you. I'm just standing in their way. As the Durham report proved, they spied on my campaign. They forged false evidence to get illegal surveillance warrants. The FBI offered $1 million for a fictitious dossier written by a foreign spy to try and frame me for treason. We beat it all off, didn't we? What? They put our country through hell and they knew it was a lie the entire time. They knew it was a lie. They knew the laptop from hell was a lie. They knew everything. Oh, by the way, hang on. Uh, Somebody has now, uh, yeah, here it is. Somebody has posted all of the contents of the Biden laptop 
BidenLaptopMedia.com. Don't crash the site. Although I have it opened already, so. Remember, it's not me they're going to go after. And if you think of it, whoever took my place, and I hope it's not going to be anybody, because we're the ones that are going to save this country, because our country's in trouble. Can I just take this opportunity to say I really hate it when politicians say we. DeSantis does it too. Every, Mark Walker, everybody does it. Not everybody. A lot of people do it, and I understand why they do it, because it's a team, and they don't want to make it seem like it's about me and I, 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 like Obama used to do all the time. So I get that. But it's just weird to hear, to hear like this running commentary about how, you know, we should be the only one to win. <laughs> oh, this... It's just you, really. There's only one name on that ballot when I go in there to vote. They'll go after that person, and that person will not be able to withstand the fire. And I know all of them. I know them all. And they actually admit it. They come to me, how do you stand this? And I usually look at them and say, in a sick way, I sort of enjoy it. I believe that. I believe it. It exposes them. It exposes them for what they are, and it's also lifted the poll numbers to even higher legs. Have you seen this? The polls are through the roof, and the... All right, so, all right, this is true, right? The polls go up when he gets indicted. This is why I say we cannot rule out the possibility that Democrats believe they can beat him in the general election. They want him to get the nomination, so they're just going to keep indicting him until, until the primary is over. And then once the primary ends... Right. Then, like the charges can fall away or whatever else can happen. And then they could just run against him if. Right. If they believe they can beat him in the general. And I don't know if they can or not. I don't know if Biden can beat him in the general or not. But if they believe that, then is it possible that they're running indictment after indictment in order to puff up his numbers among Republican primary voters? I'm not saying I know that to be true. I'm just saying that is a wild speculative conspiracy theory. That's all. Fundraising, small dollar fundraising is setting records. But still, you get indicted over nothing. You get indicted over the Presidential Records Act, which they don't even admit they call it the Espionage Act. These are sick people. We had Russia, Russia, Russia. Ukraine, Ukraine, Ukraine. The no collusion Mueller witch hunt. Impeachment hoax number one. Remember the perfect phone call? Impeachment hoax number two. The illegal censorship of the Hunter Biden laptop from hell. The 51 intelligence officials who falsely said it was Russian disinformation. Remember they said that? I Mm -hmm. said, nobody believes that. Who would believe that? You see the pictures? Horrible pictures. The real pictures haven't been exposed yet. But all of this, and it just kept coming and coming and coming, and it would for another person in my position, but they wouldn't be able to handle it. They wouldn't be able to take it because you're dealing with crazy lunatics. All right. I don't believe that last part, by the way. I don't believe he's the only person that could take it. and Nobody else could. I don't believe that. But um, this is why people don't believe uh, the indictment. This is why, because there's a boy who cried wolf element here, right? Because he is correct on all of these things that he has listed, these grievances, right? The unfair targeting, the the spying on the campaign, the trumped up charges, like this stuff did happen. And it took months or even years 
for people to finally figure out what had transpired, right? I mean, look, we just found out about the 51 intelligence officials and how that letter got circulated and everything. So I look at the indictment, and I don't trust the FBI. I don't trust the DOJ. I don't trust the prosecution. I don't trust Merrick Garland. I'm sorry, I don't trust the institutions. And that's not my fault, and that's not Trump's fault. That's the institution's fault. That's the people who were stewards of the institutions that pooped the bed on that. Sorry, you guys besmirched the reputations of J. Edgar Hoover's fine establishment. <laughs> yeah. No, seriously, like, that's you're to blame for that. And so when I read the indictment, I'm like, hmm, wow, this seems bad. But then again, it's you who's telling me this, so can't trust that. All right, now you've heard me talk about them. Old Grouch's military surplus. They're expanding with more ways to get your hands on authentic U.S. military surplus items. Go to oldgrouch.com. Check out the links for the online auctions for rare finds and the vintage shop. Unique, really cool items from modern tactical gear to historical collectibles. Tim at Old Grouch's is always finding new stuff. When I started the podcast at the beginning of the pandemic, my first advertiser was Old Grouch's. If you enjoy the show and derive any value from it, I'm hoping that you will consider supporting one of the businesses that make it possible. Lots of gift ideas for that person who loves the military style for fashion or decor. There really is something for everyone at Old Grouch's Military Surplus in beautiful downtown Clyde and online at oldgrouch.com. Going through the uh, president, the former president's speech at the North Carolina GOP convention over the weekend, um, I will say that he he attacked Ron DeSantis again as Ron DeSanctimonious, which as far as Nicknames go, it's not a good one. Um, he was better, I thought, in 16 labeling his opponents with these nicknames. But I like, I have never, I'm not one that does this. I find it to be childish. I find it to be immature. I don't say things like demon rats and rethuglicans and stuff. I don't, I generally don't do that. Um, and I could tell that it did not go over very well in that crowd. I mean, this is the thing that always kind of kills me about these speeches that he does in front of the Republican activist grassroots base. I mean, these are volunteers. These are people that are all in on the GOP. And there are a bunch of different people running in the primary, and he disparages all of them. And, I mean, he is, like, the stuff he is saying about DeSantis, who is, he may be the most popular Republican governor, most successful Republican governor in America right now. And, you know, you going after him with the name calling, you could tell just in, in the room, it, it, he wasn't getting like the, the kind of reaction that he got, what, six years ago in that, in the 2016 primary, he said, Ron DeSantis has no personality, which by the way, I watched DeSantis's speech too. And that's not true. It's, it's not true. He, does, he, he gives a good speech, and he knows the material. He didn't use a teleprompter. Trump did, but Trump also riffs. DeSantis has a, has a stump speech with all these different elements, and he's got them committed to memory. And so he's constantly looking around, and he's, he's not looking at a teleprompter. He's not reading. All of the stuff he's delivering is all conversational because he knows it. It's committed to memory. Um, he says Trump's endorsement Donald Trump says, you know, his endorsement of DeSantis made him win. And he said he didn't know Ron DeSantis very well. 
but uh, that he's uh, but that Ron supported Trump in the impeachment. So, you know, that's okay. But then I heard three years later, they said, would you run against the president? And he said, I have no comment. That means he's going to run. I said, I got this guy in, Mr. Congressman. And he said he's going to run. And then I haven't been very nice to him since then. (laughs) But we're leading in Florida by 28 points. And people are not happy with him. And he's a lousy campaigner. Remember that when he came to see me, he had almost no points. He was ready to look for a new career. You told me that better than anybody. He was looking for a job. And when I endorsed him, it was like magic. It was like he was a rocket ship. But I believe in loyalty. And, you know, it's just very disloyal. If somebody got me into office and I got him in, you know, some people I help. Some people I help and some people I get. And I got this guy in along with some others. But some people I help and that's different. Some people I I help a little bit. Some people I help a lot. But some people I get in. I got this guy in. So, you know, you think there'd be a little bit of a loyalty. And it's bad for the Republican Party, frankly. But let's see what happens. All right. So making the loyalty argument, right, we've heard this before, that because he is responsible, Trump claims responsibility for DeSantis's initial victory, where he won by like 30 something thousand votes. Um, and so he deserves all of the loyalty and credit for that, although DeSantis won reelection by one and a half million votes. And also Trump lost. And so, like, the argument is, well, you lost. You don't have any rightful claim now on that seat. Now, I know that that flies in the face of of people who believe that Trump actually won. But I, I, I'm not there with you on that. So no, I like, I, I, I see him as the losing candidate in 2020. And so because of that, you don't have a rightful claim. You don't get a cleared field like Joe Biden is demanding, right? If, if you are the sitting president, just like in 2020, you don't get a challenge from inside the party. But when you lose now, you would, you want to make another run at it. You got to convince everybody again why this time will be different. And by the way, I think there's a there's a, a fair argument that says if he's the only one that can win, why didn't he? And if he's the only one that can beat the deep state, why does it seem like they keep kicking his ass? Right? Because that's what it seems like. Um. Oh, and then he says he says I'm repurposing. Uh, repurposing the crooked Hillary, the crooked from crooked Hillary. He's taking it away from Hillary and he's going to give it to Joe Biden. And then also he's rebranding. He's going to change the deep state language too. You know, they used to use the term deep state. I'm stopping it. I'm using it Marxist. I'm using it fascist. I'm using communist because deep state is far too soft. (laughs) Far too soft. Remember during the campaign, I'd say we're going to end up being another Venezuela, but on steroids, big scale version, big, large, beautiful scale version of Venezuela. How about we're buying oil from Venezuela? When I left, Venezuela was ready to collapse. We would have taken it over. We would have gotten all that oil. It would have been right next door. Wait, what? But now we're buying oil from Venezuela. So we're making a dictator very rich. Can you believe this? Nobody can believe it. You know where the oil, you know, their oil is garbage. It's horrible. The worst you can get. Tar. It's like tar. All right. And then he goes talking about the refinery capacity <laughs> on the tar oil and Houston refineries, whatever. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know what to make about that part about uh, about how he would take over Venezuela. 
I, I was unaware. Maybe that was one of the battle plans that we had. Venezuela. Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm, I don't know. Um, one of the things with Donald Trump, though, I will say, I'm always fascinated to catch these moments in speeches where you get this glimpse or flicker of a deeper level of introspection and self-examination. Like, he, he walks right up to this, and then it's gone. It's, it's fleeting. Under Biden, we've had record high trade deficits which I call losses. A lot of people don't say, oh, a trade deficit, is it a loss? I call it a loss. Some people don't. I understand their thinking. I was a very good student at the Wharton School of Finance. Can you imagine? I wonder if they're proud of me. I got indicted. I wonder if they're saying, oh, that's wonderful. Right there. In- right right there. Like he's, like, he's asking himself that question. I wonder if they're proud of me. I got indicted, right? Yeah, have you thought about that? I mean, it's a joke, and I get it. But also, like, I am kind of curious. Have you thought about that? Did you actually think about that? So Donald Trump actually gave um, the, the, I think this is the number one reason to vote for him. Not this soundbite, but the next one. But I'm building to it. So first off, he says that he would resolve the uh, Ukraine-Russian war. He would resolve this within 24 hours. It'd be done. Um, But he also then apologized for getting the head of CNN fired after that town hall a couple of weeks ago. Everything was beautiful, and they got tremendous numbers, and uh, they fired him. He's gone now. Mr. Licht, sorry about that. I'd like to apologize to Mr. Licht. But I'm the only candidate who can make this promise. I will prevent... World War Three. I will prevent it. Not going to happen. I mean, that settles it. I got to vote for him. If he's the only one that's going to stop World War Three, I don't want World War. Do you want World War Three? I mean, four, sure, but three, no. I don't want World War Three. I got to vote. I got to vote for him. Um, also, apparently, uh, you may want to sit down for this. Ron DeSantis is a fiscal conservative. And unlike Ron DeSanctimonious, who voted to gut Medicare, remember that he voted to gut it. And Social Security, gut Social Security. And he voted three times to raise the retirement age to 70. You know, Ron DeSanctimonious is a disciple of Paul Ryan. Anybody that's a disciple of Paul Ryan, you don't want him. Didn't Trump endorse Paul Ryan? Okay, I'm just... I, like, I'm, I cannot keep it all... I can't keep it straight on my scorecard. But I will always protect Medicare and Social Security for our great seniors. And one thing I've so listen to this. So hear that reaction. I will always protect Medicare and Social Security for our seniors. And listen to the reaction. These are Republicans. These are your grassroots conservative, quote unquote, activists. These are the people that make the party go. And they are celebrating a party leader saying, I won't do anything to make Social Security and Medicare fiscally solvent. That's what he's saying. I'm not going to touch it. We're not going to do anything. Now, he thinks we can just drill for oil and that's going to fund Social Security and Medicare adequately. The unfunded liability is like $70 trillion. It's insane. But they're applauding that. This is not, this. I keep saying this, We are witnessing a realignment of the political parties right now. I don't know how it's going to shake out. 
I suspect libertarian, limited government folks are going to get screwed because that's kind of what generally happens because you're competing against Santa Claus, right? Rush Limbaugh used to talk about this. You're running against Santa Claus. Everyone that, you know, they're just promising you all this stuff. And it's very easy to say, yes, I'll take all of the presents. When a guy uh, is against, like, Medicare or wants to decapitate it, or a guy's against uh, anything, Social Security, and then they have an election and all of a sudden they love it, although he hasn't even said that yet, but when they have, and you earned it. You know, people have been working very hard for long periods of time. There are many things we can cut. You don't have to cut Nobody. Social Security. You don't have to cut Medicare. It's so, we, di- so that's so dishonest, and maybe he doesn't understand this. It's not cutting Social Security or Medicare. The plan was to let people invest some of their own money instead. That was the plan, to take like 1% of your contribution and let you direct it. So you can make more than what the government earns. You can make you, you can get greater returns than the government gets in the Social Security Trust Fund. It's so frustrating. This is this is what Democrats how Democrats vilified Republican fiscal plans. This is what Democrats said for years. He did the oil thing. You wouldn't have to even think about these things, but they don't want to do the oil thing because they don't know what they're doing. But one thing I learned is that would they want to do it? Then they go a little bit because they want to try and get elected. They always go back to it. So when somebody wants to cut Social Security or Medicare, and then they go back to saying, oh, I love them very much, within a fairly short period of time, they'll be cutting it. Just remember what I say. And I will not put a national sales tax of 23% on our citizens, which the Sanctus wants to do. He wants to put a 23% national sales tax on. Rich, rich people, I, think, I sort of like the idea for myself. Can you imagine somebody now is going to pay every time they buy something 23%? This will not be happy, but more importantly, it's not, it's not fair. All right, it actually is fair. It's called the fair tax. And you notice the absolute lack of applause or laughter at what he's saying there. Because these activists know what the fair tax is. And once again, that kind of framing of what the fair tax is... That's what Democrats, that's how Democrats attack the fair tax. I, I, I don't know who, who's advising him on this stuff. On day one, I will immediately sign a new executive order to cut federal funding for any school, pushing critical race theory, transgender insanity, and other inappropriate racial, sexual, or political content on our children. Biggest applause line. amazing how strongly people feel about that you see i'm talking about cutting taxes people go like that talking about talk about transgender everyone goes crazy who would have thought five years ago you didn't know what the hell it was now this was used by aaron rupar a leftist hack and then mcclatchy's reporter same uh to attack trump and the crowd saying oh look at that they're more enthusiastic about bigotry than they are for tax cuts yeah no that's that that wasn't what Trump was saying, he was pointing out how sad it is that we are at a point in our society where we have to actually explicitly say, no, you can't do this. No, you can't chop off body parts of children. No, you can't stop their puberty. No, you shouldn't tell them they're oppressors. Right? 
That's where we are. All right, up next, Ron DeSantis' speech.